Hello everyone and welcome back to the FPL Banger Show. This is the Game Week 1 preview. My name is Siva and I'm joined by Sam. Sam, are you excited for the return of FPL? I am, I am. Um, you would understand as well as all you listeners, all you fellow FPL addicts. Summer months has been, you know, it's been cool to get some downtime but I can't wait to get back into FPL. I mean, it's been shit. There's no FPL. So let's... <laughs> Let's move in. Let's get straight into it. Okay. Yeah, we don't need to do a long intro. We want to get, you know, there are a few key issues that everybody wants to talk about. First question here. This is how we like to do it. We'd like to start off with a good question. FPL Gato, uh, five at the back plus a 11.5 forward and Jesus, which is the template, uh, you know, that everybody has right now, or at least a lot of people have. Now that seems to come at the expense of an 8 million mid. For those going five at the back, what is the plan if one of the eight million mids, so your Fordens, your your Sakas, your uh, your Mounts, one of them becomes a must-have, is it worth not having that key price point in order to have five wing backs? Now we'll come to our individual drafts later, Sam. But what do you think about this question? Do you think you need to have a price point for an eight million midfielder? Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I'm I'm not I've never been a fan of the whole price point thing. Like having a specific player in specific price points to make sure you can move. I don't think it's that hard to make a move. Um, especially you know if it's it, premiums, yeah, maybe harder. But eight million, you know, in game week two you can you, you can probably do it with two moves. Um, if it's you know a real disaster and you really need that eight mid, you can just do a minus four. Uh, all you need to do you can probably do it in one move if you're willing to downgrade one of the expensive players. But see, I'm not aware of what the template is. So if you don't have an 8 mil mid, then what do you have? I think, Salah? Okay. So the basic, uh, I'll give you the template because I was looking at uh, five, uh, the five uh, at the back formation quite a bit today. So you basically have a, typically a premium keeper, either Edison or Ramsdale. I think most people are going for that because you're going heavy at the back to begin with. Trent, usually Robertson, Cancelo, Perisic, James, and um, yeah, so that's your five back. And then in terms of your midfield, it's quite light. You have Salah. Most people have Salah. And then they pair it with a Martinelli and a Neto. Best case scenario. And then up top, they have Haaland and Jesus. That, that's basically the template. So you'll see, I think the issue that FPL Garo is raising, and it's a fair question, is that if you want to get an 8 million mid, you have to upgrade Martinelli from 6 to an 8. So you effectively have to lose one of your Liverpool defenders to make that happen. Alternatively, you're trying to get Neto up to an 8 even harder because it's quite a big sacrifice. And you'll also be going down to a 4.5 defender there. But basically, it's two moves, right? So let's just say first week, game week one, Saka scores two goals or Mount scores two goals. Or you really want Foden for game week two against Bournemouth. You can't do it without a hit. And I think that's the worry that some people are having. That's why a lot of people have gone for Diaz over Robertson. And we'll touch over that debate. I have very strong opinions about who you should go there. I think there's some benefit to this. I know you don't like price points, but I do think having an 8 million mid slot, because there are so many good options there. And I, I actually do wonder, I've been looking at five back a lot. You know, we both love big at the back. Are there really five top tier defenders who I would want to keep long term like I, I know Trent Robertson and Cancelo I would keep you know probably the whole season do I really want to force myself into a structure where I have James Perisic and if I can't make them work I gotta go down Trippier gotta go down further to 4.5s it's just I feel like you are sort of limiting yourself yeah I, I see what you mean um so I, I do agree that an 8 mil mid is good, but not because of a price point. It's more that, you know, there are so many good options at 8 million. Um, about your defense, I don't know. I don't think, because it's not like you're going to be set in it, you know, if you really need to make the change. Now, I mean, by going five at the back, obviously you expect them to have good returns at the start of the season. But if they're not, then, you know, just take a minus four, bring him down, move someone up in the mid and uh, upgrade Neto or someone else. I don't think it's that hard. Um, but basically, 
you know, if you feel like an 8 million mid is going to outscore your defender, then go for it. If you feel your premium defender will outscore all the 8 million mids, then go for a premium defender. That's just how I look at it. Maybe too simplistic, but maybe we're also overcomplicating things, you know. Just go with the best game week team, game week one team that you feel will score the most points over the, the first few weeks. Okay, so I, I think, yeah, you int- you raised an interesting point and you, you're sort of saying, don't let the price point dictate your choices. Let the players, you know, the guy you're picking, dictate the choice. Makes perfect sense. I think that's the right way to play the game. So we had here a question about Saka, Mount, and Madison for 8 million mids from FPL Marks. I thought let's look at a comparison of points per 90 for the second half of the season. It's a little unfair to compare points rather than say underlying stats, sure, but we're comparing between defenders and midfielders and I, I don't really want to get into, uh, it's, it's quite different, you know, you're comparing the stats of a defender who has clean sheets and all that stuff versus a midfielder, it's very different. But if you look here, right, there's only, and I, I was a bit surprised when I looked at this because I've been looking at totals in minutes, I've never really looked at points per 90. Although Robertson has done really well here, like amazingly well, Robertson is third for points per 90. He's only behind De Bruyne and Son for the second half of the season, which is crazy because he's half their price. He's the only premium defender who made it into the top 10. The rest are either premium midfielders or 8 million midfielders plus Kane. So you've got Kulusevsky, Madison, Diaz, Mount, Saka, Foden. Now, the counterpoint presumably to this is that Once you start looking at totals, you'll see some of these guys didn't do so well because they didn't get as many minutes. Uh, Obviously, people like Foden won't start every week. Or maybe Luis Diaz definitely didn't start every week in that run. But this year, we go into the start of the season. I think most of the 8 million mids, Foden being a slight question mark, you can be pretty sure that they will start the first five weeks or first four weeks, right? Luis Diaz doesn't have competition right now. Jota's out. And you look at Mount, nailed, uh, Chelsea trying to sell Werner. Saka's always nailed. Uh, Kulusevsky, maybe some question marks, but there are more options who are actually nailed. And I think you compare that to defenders, and I mentioned just now, right? Trent, Robo, Cancelo for me, locks. I don't think Reese James plays right wing back every week. Game week two against Spurs, I'm almost certain he's going to play centre back against Sun. Just because, right? They can do that, and they haven't signed anybody yet. So, uh, yes, they're different price points, but I, I do think there's some value. And like you said, it comes down to who you think will score the most points. I do think an 8 million mid will probably outscore one of these five premium defenders. And therefore, I think it kind of helps if you, you know, have one of them. Saka has Bournemouth and Fulham in game week three and four. I mean, I would want to root to that without taking hits. Yeah, I, I have an 8 million mid purely because I like the player. And I was, you know, um, debating between uh, Mount, Saka and all the other 8 million mids. So, yeah, I agree with you. You know, the data here does look correct, although although you could argue, you know, like um, Rhys James was injured a lot, could have scored more points, that, that kind of stuff. There's always caveats, right? But there seems to be a general trend in um, attackers in the second half of the season. Yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, we don't know how five subs will work out. But our general view, right, our general sort of knowledge and history is that wingbacks tend to be, not always, there's, there are no rules here, but we know, for instance, Tuchel likes to sub off the wingbacks, likes to rotate the wingbacks. We know that. And we know Reese James has injuries, uh, histories, and so on. We know Perisic is, I love Perisic, I have Perisic in my draft, but I'm not, I know that he's a rotation risk because Conte, in his season in Italy when he was in charge of Inter, subbed off his wingback every other game. So in 19 out of 38 games, he subbed off at least one wing back. So we know that's the kind of position because it's all action, right? You run up and down the pitch. You're, I would say, as much, if not more prone to a substitution than maybe your midfielders. And... Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And it's heavily dependent on you being subbed off after 60 minutes to get your points. You subbed off before 60, it's such a big difference versus, again, a midfielder who might be able to catch the return. I do think... You know, I'm not saying you hit price points, but I think there's some sort of like risk diversification here where you sort of, you know, you give yourself some options in defense, you give yourself some options in midfield. I think if you are going in with only six and five million mids and you don't want to take a hit down the line, you are basically at Martinelli, Neto, what, Bruno Gimraes, Dewsbury Hall, Brendan yeah. Aronson. And these are all really like picks that I can't say confidently you'd want in your team. 
I agree, I agree. I think it's way too risky to only have cheap midfielders aside from Salah, right? You're you're expecting so much from um, people like Neto, Bailey, maybe, who I I like. I mean, I like them. They look good in preseason, but who knows how long they can keep up their form, right? Um, ben Rama is a good example from last year, really good in preseason. Scored big points the first few weeks and then he died off. And you need an exit strategy. Makes it really hard if all your mids are budget midfielders. You know, you may have two, three players that you want to get rid at the same time. Yeah. I think ultimately you set yourself up either for a lot of hits or an early wild card by doing this. Or you just need everything to go right. You need, you know, all your five defenders to just smash it and for all the premium well, the you know, mid-price mids to just not be worth it. Which, given what we know, these are all really good players who are all sort of, you know, semi-talisman for their teams, I think is a, is a lot to ask for. Okay. Um, let's now talk about the individuals involved, right? So we mentioned Robo Cancelo also came up in conversation. So we had a question here, FPL Simba. Does Robo outscore Cancelo by game week 10? If so, can Walker be a cover? That seemed to be a popular question. A lot of people want Kyle Walker. Uh, Nasser, best pick from Man City, apart from Cancelo. FPL Hafiz, better to go with two city attack or one defense and two attack. Uh, sorry, two two defense and one attack versus one defense and two attack. Carrick Low, Cancelo, Yeone, uh, Zeus, Walker and James or Cancelo and Will Neko Williams. Okay, so let's. there's a lot to unpack here, Sam. Let's uh, start off with uh, the Cancelo question. Uh, do you think Cancelo is... Well, you don't like the word, right? But do you think he's essential? I don't. Because I, I don't have Cancelo. <laughs> I don't think he's essential in game week one. Let's put it that way. All right. Um, as we have mentioned in our previous podcast, I, am, I don't have a big defense in my team, in my draft, which you'll see later. Um... We already mentioned it in the early draft, but just basically, I don't think there's going to be a lot of clean sheets to start the season. And I want clean sheets on top of attacking re- returns for my um, premium defenders. Hence, if there's not a lot of clean sheets, that means there are more goals. So I'm putting more money up top. Um, I currently have a premium draft, but you know it, it doesn't have to be a premium draft. You could spread the funds, but the idea is that spread it more in attack rather than defense. So right now I don't have Cancelo, but I know very well, most likely I will have him a few weeks in. Um, right now my, I only have one premium defender, which is Robertson. So I don't know if I'm well placed to answer a lot of these questions. Because <laughs> I, I don't have Cancelo. I do have Walker though. I really like Walker. I think um, as long as City is not signing another fullback, a semi-nil option for City for just 5.5 mil, even if I don't think they're keeping many clean sheets, right? It's still too good to pass off, I think. The value is just too good. So I have him in my draft right now. May change when Friday comes, but for now, yeah, he's in my draft after the Community Shield game. So I, I was really excited when I realised that Walker was... Uh, he's only 5 mil, and that's a really cheap price, Uh for a city defender, I agree with you. And and I realized that they were selling Zinchenko. I was excited because Walker, uh, as you would expect, did start the community shield. And I think would start most weeks. He is the first choice right back. My I think my there, there's one small issue with Walker is there's really no upside. Like he has, you know, one attacking return a year. He doesn't get although he tried yeah. to get forward a bit in the community shield, he he seems to have reverted a lot to what his England role is, which is sort of he basically becomes a third centre back and he doesn't really get as forward as you'd like. But at five million, fair enough. You know, you're paying for a city defender. I, I'm I guess I'm not comfortable with Walker simply because well, my budget's different. I mean, I'm not rocking a premium, so I don't need to go down to a five million defender. All my defenders, I think my cheapest is five point five. So again, maybe I'm even not best placed to answer this. I do have Cancelo and I have Cancelo because I do think he is the most nailed City defender plus he is, you know, no competition. He's their only, he's not even a natural left back, but he's the closest they have to one right now. And I think he's also got the most attacking potential, something like 80 shots last year. So he's going to keep shooting. 
I think he's getting used to Haaland. I think we saw that in the Community Shield. He didn't really have his best game. Um, so I, I would agree, yep, Cancelo's probably somebody you could get away without. I, I don't think he's essential. I, I would like to have him, but if you don't want to have him right now, I don't think you will get massacred or anything. Ownership is quite high, but I, I do think you can sort of... There are a lot of good defenders this year. Uh, and I think... if Actually, I would have Trent and Robertson ahead of Cancelo, to be very honest. Yeah, I actually 100% agree. If I'm rocking just one premium defender, but if I decided to get another one, it would definitely be a double up with Trent and um, Robertson. I think out of all the premium defense, Liverpool looks the most settled. You know, pretty much the same guys started their preseason early. All of them were available throughout the whole preseason, been playing every game together. I think they can, you know, rock up straight away with a strong defense. Got my worries about all the other teams though. So that's why I only have one for now. Yeah. And, and to Hafiz's question, right, about going double city defense and one attack or first one defense and two attack. And I think double city defense is still fine. Like you have Walker and Edison or, yeah, I mean, even Cancelo and Edison, for instance, like they're still a fundamentally good defense. Like I think that's okay. Uh, better than doubling up on a bad defense. I would not go double city attack under any circumstances unless you're really, at least not in game week one. I think you game week two, you sort of get to the Bournemouth game and you sort of know who's going to play fine. But I think in game week one... If they smash, if they smash game week one, then, then yes, everyone go to attack for the Bournemouth game. Yeah. I mean, the idea is you need to know who it is going to be, right? Because even in the, in the community shield... Everybody, and we spoke about this last week, Sam, so everybody was hyped up about Grealish, right? And we were kind of excited too. And, you know, after he came off before the 68th minute, he did nothing. He had a really bad game. I don't think he contributed anything at all to the play. He didn't gel with Haaland the way he had the previous week. Maris was really poor. Both of them kept trying to cut inside and it just didn't work. Alvarez and Foden looked so much better. So... Week to week, I mean, I just wouldn't have a city mid in gaming one. I think in gaming two, if you know who you're going to get, fine. Gaming one, for me, it's just Haaland and a defender at most. Yeah, I I agree. I think it really scared me that he got subbed off because that means that Pep feels that his role is, um, what's the word for it? Expendable? Yeah. In a way, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm chasing the game. I need someone to change the game. So I'm going to take out really straight away. I still think he's going to start a lot of games. But, you know, when they are not playing so well the first 55 minutes, you, the worst thing is to see her, your players get subbed off like at 55, 50, even 60, you know, before things change in the game. You want him to stay till the end, kind of, you know, pop up with a last minute goal or something. You want that. So... The fact that Pep doesn't really trust him, that scared me a lot. Definitely off um, Grealish, Mares, even Foden and Alvarez. I mean, it's, it's too hard. The only attackers you can probably get from City is um, De Bruyne. Haaland, you know, he did play 90. I had my concerns, um, if you listen to last week's podcast, but the fact that he played 90, you know, um, seems like a good sign. But I don't know, can you afford to put in um, both De Bruyne and Haaland in your team? but then miss out on everyone else. Um, I don't think anyone can fit that. So unfortunately, most likely you can only go with a single attack, I think. Yeah, I, I might consider a punt like on Alvarez in gaming two, but I think that's a long way away from now. I think gaming one, you you want to have a structure that will last you a few weeks at least. And you know, if you have confidence, maybe that's why the 8 million mid slot maybe would help, maybe Foden gaming too. But it's not something I would plan ahead in gaming one. I think you 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 don't have to get greedy when you know when the opportunity comes, you will you will have it. And I don't think Haaland played badly. There's a lot of talk about whether he played badly. He didn't play to his best, but he still made a lot of runs, still had chances, okay, didn't finish it. But I, I think there's enough signs there to see that against a worse defense and Bournemouth's got a non-existent defense, uh, he should do fine. Yeah, I think um, there was an article by The Athletic about Haaland. Um, I don't know if you read it yet, Siva. But it's really interesting. So he, uh, what they highlighted was that he did make some good runs, 
But City was just not on form today. You know, um, De Bruyne was missing his passes. Everyone was missing. So they couldn't get the balls to him. But at the same time, he made a few bad runs where he straight offside. He didn't come back in time. And, uh, you know, they had some screenshots showing De Bruyne kind of staring at him, waiting for him to come back on site so they can pass. And before he knows it, um, you know, he got tackled. So a bit of good, a bit of bad. I think uh, the biggest takeaway we can take is that he played 90 minutes. You know, Pep yeah. seems to trust him enough to change the game right until the end. So I wouldn't read so much into the misses and things like that. It's just the positioning that, um, you know, because, you know, Pep says one thing in, the, in press, but he may feel another thing. So I'm just hoping, you know, he, he gives Haaland more, you know, the chance. To, to learn, to make the proper runs and stuff like that. Anyway, Siva, you, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that game because I thought there was a lot to unpack from it because we had a question just now about Robertson or Cancelo and I said, you know, I take Robertson in a heartbeat. Let's talk a bit about Robertson's role in this game and also another Liverpool asset, right, who did sort of, I, I was very impressed with it and I was very surprised as well by the quality of the performance. Now, this is Robertson in the 15th minute and I, I mean, it's quite late for us, right? So we're watching it. I'm, I'm quite sleepy for us here. I, I, I just was really surprised. Like, okay, this is quite a fast start. 15 minutes in, he's getting a free header in the six-yard box. Hits the side netting. Then I noticed this uh, Trent's goal. He is, Robertson's, again, near the six-yard box, just behind Walker. You look where Luis Diaz is, edge of the box. There had been posts even before the game about how Diaz likes to go out to the wing and I, I was noticing that as the game went on, there were occasions where Diaz would be in the center of the box, but more often than not, he would go wide and Robertson would come in. And this happened time and time again. Now, second half, Darwin Nunes came on and he was amazing. You see this uh, picture here we have. First thing he did, run straight, Henderson, straight pass. He just, you know, he flies through the defense, uh, forces a save from Edison. Uh, second part now this is where the, the, he wins the penalty and I was really impressed with Darwin Nunes because there's a lot to do here right he picks up the ball gets Salah the ball so he continues the run and he's starting position he's still somewhere behind the play by the end of it he is ahead of everybody he heads it against Diaz's hand gets the pen you can argue I had a few arguments with some people that it's a bad header and that's why they hit Diaz's hand because <laughs> he wasn't actually aiming towards goal and doesn't matter you know <laughs> I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. You got, you got the end result. And then the third goal, right, which Nunes got. Robertson's run here is amazing, right? This is, I think, the 93rd minute. Robertson starts off at the halfway line. And within the space of, you see here, the second clip, it's about six seconds later. Salah has the ball. Nine seconds later, Robertson wins a header in the box. So from halfway line to the end of the box, nine seconds in the 93rd minute, wins the header, and Nunes scores. And so, I mean... There's a lot to unpack here, Sam, but my takeaway from this is that both Robertson and Nunes are going to be amazing this year. And the unfortunate thing is you can only have three Liverpool assets. Yeah, I definitely really like uh, Robo. Liked him since last year. And, you know, like what you've shown, I noticed the same things watching the Community Shield. He's so advanced, really gets into the box. He also creates a lot, you know. Um, he actually took the most... Crosses. He made the most crosses in the game. He had five crosses. Um, I don't know how many of it were successful, but he made five crosses. Trent only made two, actually, for someone who's supposed to be their lead creator. Surprising, right? But um, I really like Robertson. He's cheaper than Trent, you know. In fact, I have Robertson over Trent. I know everyone has Trent. I'm pretty sure that's the template, right? Yeah. And then they regard Robert as the third choice. Uh, Liverpool player. I actually have him second, you know. Um, Salah first, Robertson second, and Trent third. So that's how highly I rate him. Yeah, on the evidence of this performance, I think I noticed that Trent keeps going into sort of the, the half space in midfield. He sort of takes up a, not really a, a defensive midfielder role, but more of a centre mid role. He moves inside, Salah moves out wide, and Robertson goes deep. Now, this may just be Man City, but I mean, if you can do it against City, you can probably execute this game plan against most teams. I would think, you know, a far less solid defense. And I wanted to, I mean, come to Robertson's stats, right? So you mentioned Robertson being better than Trent. And there's a genuine argument for that, right? He was the best defender in the second half of the season. Uh, fifth overall for points amongst all players. Higher than Salah, Mane, Cancelo, Trent. And all the 8 million midfielders. 
uh, points per 90 or so amazing as we discussed earlier. Now, I thought that some of the quotes from the Fulham coach, right? Because they're playing Fulham in gaming one. I thought some of the quotes were really interesting. Now, Fulham have come into this. I don't understand how this happens every time with Fulham, but they keep coming up and they keep... <laughs> don't buy anybody. Buy everyone panic sale, you know, on the last day. They haven't bought anybody. They've bought one or two players. They, they only have two central defenders, one of whom is a 34-year-old, Tim Ream, who hasn't played in the Premier League for a long time. And Marco Silva's already complaining. This... Reading this kind of quote, Sam, my first instinct was, okay, I've got to get Darwin Nunes because he's going to score five goals against them. Like, he's just going to smash them. And then having given it some thought, I've sort of calmed down a bit and I thought, you know, Robertson's a sensible choice. You know he'll play. Darwin may only be a sub. What do you, what do you think about this? Since you're going heavy in attack, right, and you say that defense is probably not the thing to target at the start of the season. Yeah, I, I think Darwin Nunes was sensational when he came in, right? He's been so good. Totally changed the attack. Um, I think Klopp also has mentioned that, you know, he's made it clear that David Nunes is the future. And, you know, um, Firmino is kind of just there in between in this transition period. If he gives some sort of indication that David Nunes is starting in Gaming 1 and his first choice now after his performance, I would jump on him. 100%. Because I think he's going to be really, really good. The thing is now we are not sure how long... Uh, Klopp will take to decide that, okay, Darwinus is now number one. And it's that uncertainty in his minutes that's kind of putting me off. Although, as he's shown, he can come on as a sub and still, you know, do amazing. But ideally, you want a starter. So that's the only thing that's holding me back, actually. Yeah. And for me, the thing that's holding me back is actually Robertson was just so good. And so was Trent. Like, it's not a situation where he was better than them. He was as good as them. And it's, if they were bad, if they were just like central defenders who got clean sheet points, fine. But they were so ridiculously attacking that it's hard to justify why am I taking paying extra for this guy who might match them, but I, I don't know if he will. I, I can take the sure thing with Robertson. I can always come back to Darwin Nunes down the line. I think that's the logical, if boring, way to play this. Do you really need trend though? Hmm. We had some technical difficulties. The technical difficulties being our children. I mean, not our children. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, 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 we have we have yeah. separate children. You know, so yes, yeah, so that's the big noise, right? Respective, so, uh, respective <laughs> children. Not, not, I mean, not, not that. Not that we have children together. <laughs> not that they would, you know, like not that I would not make a perfectly, you know, fine companion for Sam or anything like that, but. I feel like I would be the more attentive one, like Sam. I'd be more careful. Like you're going premium, you're you're being very reckless here. I think I would be the more sort of relaxed, sort of make sure all the meal times are met. Okay, we're messing about here. You asked me, do you need to have trend? And see, Sam, that's perfect. Uh, a sort of demonstration of how you are being reckless here, right? Because trend's essential. You don't like the word. Everybody owns trend. Proven asset. Two hundred points every season. What more do you want? Like not owning trend is overthinking yeah you don't want to hear it but that's just the fact <laughs> we'll see we'll see uh, see you have nothing to that's say <laughs> I, I, mean, I do but it's it's really long but ba basically my argument is that I feel that Robo is just as good as trend for 0.5 cheaper I agree get both <laughs> because they are so I much better I, than I the competition definitely will yeah, I guarantee you, Siva, by game week, in my by the my first wild card, I would probably have both of them already. That's good. I I recommend you have them in your game week one team. But let's uh let's let's move on. That's a that's a personal <laughs> point personal reference, right? So let's move on. Uh, I also have a quote here from the Bournemouth coach, right? And I just thought this is really interesting because Liverpool do play Bournemouth. I think it is in game week four. Arsenal play Bournemouth in game week three. Villa play Bournemouth in game week two, and so you got a, a fairly Villa good plays run. Bournemouth in game week one. Yeah, Villa play Bournemouth in game week one. A City play Bournemouth in game week two. So basically, Bournemouth are going down, right? They be they be Scott Park is going to be fired by game week five because this is what he just gave an interview and just said they have no defenders, they no disrespect to the people we have, but they they suck basically is what he said. He's playing three centre backs. Only one of whom is actually a centre-back. Like, Chris Mappum uh, only played eight centre-backs, uh, eight games as centre-back last season, so he's not even a first-choice centre-back. The other guy, James Hill, uh, 
has not played any minutes at this level. In fact, he doesn't even have an FPL price because he was playing for Fleetwood Town last year. They're, they are going down and they're going to lose a lot of games very heavily. So, Leon Bailey, gaming one, you got to have him. Gaming two, you got to have a City attacker. Gaming three, you got to have Arsenal attackers. And gaming four, you got to have Liverpool attackers. Okay, Operation Target Bournemouth. Yeah. Sorry, Bournemouth fans, if you're listening to this podcast, but that's just the way FPL goes. you got to be ruthless. Yeah, exactly. I think Bournemouth have, have come here. Look at Nottingham Forest, giving it a real go. Jesse Lingard, who is definitely coming into my team at some point. Like that, that, that's how you do uh, you know, promotion campaign. Let's, let's talk about this question here from FPL Myth. Is Reese James worth 6.0 with the uncertainty of positioning? And are there any great alternatives at 5.5 or 5.0? So Sam, two questions. First of all, is Reese James in your draft? And if not, who would you rather have at that price point? You know the answer because I already said I only have one premium defender and that's Robo. So he's not in my draft right now, but that's because Chelsea just have too much uncertainty at the back for me. You know, Um, I do believe he will play most games at right wing back. So um, once all the players have come in, right? Uh, who are they targeting now? I, I lost track. They seem to be targeting everyone and everyone seems to be going to Barca. So, so before I came on, uh, the, the Athletic is... Oh no, Fabrizio is now reporting that they want Carl Walker-Peters. <laughs> which I can't take seriously because... I, I see. So they sold Tino Livermento to Southampton and now they want the guy who Tino Livermento displaced at right back. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, just as a cover for Rhys James since it's quite injury-prone. That's okay. But they definitely need starting um, centre-backs. They are. They will probably get some. Then it's a question of how long it takes to integrate. How long will it take uh, Kulibali to integrate? You know, he's been there just a few weeks. Hasn't really played a lot of games together. So I think... I don't see a lot of clean sheets for Chelsea at the start. However, one month in, once the signings are all, you know... Um, but they have their chemistry together as a team. See, the thing about defence is that it requires everyone to be in sync, right? You may have great individual players, but if they're not in sync, you're not going to get clean sheet points. And for six mil, you kind of want clean sheet points along with the attacking returns. So that's why I'm a bit hesitant on Chelsea defenders. But once they start clicking, definitely I would have either James or Chilwell. 100%. So my argument is pretty much the same, I think. Um, repeating myself with all the top um, premium defenders. But basically, I'm going light at the back now and hundred. I'm definitely going big at the back, you know, a few um, a month in, maybe. Okay. I mean, I agree with you on all the points in Reese James. I don't think I've had anything to add. I, I love him, but it's, it's just not the right time. I think they need to sort out their house and get it in order before I think they go there. Alternatives at 5.5 and 5.0. Now, I think since alternatives, I really was impressed. And here I picked something from the Athletic about Ivan Perisic, right? Played 75 minutes in the most recent friendly. So he was behind schedule in terms of his recovery, but he's he's trying to catch up. So played 75 minutes against Roma. I was really impressed. Very advanced up the pitch. Everything you expected from Perisic, who used to be a winger and he's playing as a wing back. Taking shots. Uh, he took more shots than Sun in that game. And, uh, you know, as the article says, yeah, Perisic looks like a genuine winger. And and Conte said, you know, he's really good. He's very important. Conte also said other things. Like, you know, he's not the Ivan Perisic. I know he can get better. But I feel like if you're looking at the 5.5 bracket, regardless of the risks of rotation, I think Perisic is upside. And in a much more stable team than Chelsea, I think I would go for him at 5.5. Yeah, I agree, actually. There are two premium teams that I kind of earmarked to, you know, having a potential good start to the season. One is Liverpool, and the second one is Spurs, because I think they had a really settled backline throughout almost the whole preseason. Perisic did did join a bit later, but he already knows the system he's played under Conte before, so I would assume that he fits in quite fast. It's just a matter of his fitness. Um, I don't have a Spurs defender purely because I can't afford it with my current team. I've been trying, you know, trying to find money here and there. So we'll see by the time Friday comes along. Yep, so these are the stats we have on screen for Conte's Conte's season at Inter. And it is troubling if you're worried about substitutions because he used his five subs a lot 
Um, he typically... The good news is the average sub is around 65 minutes, though there are earlier ones. Uh, no wingback subbed. So games where he didn't sub off any wingback. Two out of 38. That's That's got to make you scared. Uh, he subbed off a wingback in 19 out of 38, so 50% of the games. Both wingbacks subbed off in 17 out of 38. So in the 21 games where no wingback was subbed off, it's usually Hakimi, who was young and really fit. So Perisic did get subbed off a lot. So he, those are the risks. I think the counterpoint to that is Perisic last season in Italy didn't get subbed off as often because obviously a different coach, but he was still playing wing back and he was generally recognized to be one of the best players of last season. And that's the quote here we had from James Horncastle, who's an Italian journalist, uh, Italian football journalist. And he said, Perisic, one of the fittest and Conte, is he keeps saying he's a plug and play kind of guy. Conte knows him, he knows Conte. He's, as soon as he's ready to go, he's going straight in. So I think at 5.5, when the comparison is guys like Neto and maybe uh, Bruno Gimraes and all those 6 million, 5.5 million mids, I think Perisic is definitely worth the gamble. Yeah, so we've been having some technical issues with the internet, but we'll we'll cut along, you know, so just move ahead. And lastly, Sam, before we get into drafts, a uh, question here from CFC Nick. Brendan Aronson and James Justin as differentials. I think both look good, but I think both, I've got a lot of uncertainty about both Leeds and Leicester, so probably I wouldn't go there. Yeah, Leeds, still a bit of an unknown quantity. They've had a seemingly good preseason, but, you know, preseason, it's hard to really draw any conclusions from that. Wait and see for Aronson. Now, Leicester, I'm really worried. They're losing their keeper. They seems like Chelsea wants to go for uh, Wesley Fofana as well, who is their best defender. I'm not sure if I'm keen to... And they were already kind of bad last year. Um, losing people, not replacing them. They haven't even made one signing, I think. So I'm just kind of staying away from Leicester defence. There are some good differentials, though, that, um, that you can look around. Um, especially some that had really good preseason, right? So one person I really like from Leicester is Drewsbury Hall. I think if you're not convinced by Bailey, if you're scared about his minutes, Drewsbury Hall is the same price, 5.0. But he seems like he is first choice now, you know, um, in centre midfield. Minutes seems quite secure. A lot of Leicester fans seem to think that he will be their future captain eventually. They really love him. And he had one goal and three assists in preseason, so a decent preseason. I think he might be a good differential if you're looking for someone at 5.0 whose name is not Bay. Um, other than that, I mean, just looking at the price points he's offering in 5.5, yeah, I mean, Podence, yeah, Podence is one. A lot of people are stuck on Neto, but with Jimenez's injury, Podence will most likely play false nine. And he actually had a pretty good uh, preseason as well. Three goals and one assist. Same price as Neto. So he could be a good differential if you if you want a midfielder playing our position as a striker. Yep. I think also Morgan Gibbs-White plays on the right wing for Wolves. I mean, all the Wolves attackers are pretty cheap. He's also 5x5. Five five. Uh, Leeds don't have a left back, so gaming one. That's not too bad an option if you want to try um, James Justin alternatives cheap defenders again you go back to Wolves I think uh, Ait Nuri Sam has had a really good preseason from what I've read of all the Wolves fans accounts and they expect him to start the season uh, I have yeah I have worries though about Wolves uh, defence because it seems like they're switching to a back four uh, from their usual back five doesn't mean they're not going to keep clean sheets but maybe not as solid as they were uh, you know that we've known them for for the past two years so I do have some worries. That's why I don't have Ainuri in my in my draft anymore. I 4.5. There are a few here and there, right? So there's white, but then there's some minutes. Um, worry. There is Tomiyasu, who again, not sure if he's back injured. Dunk is a really good option um, at 4.5, I think. However, if you already have Sanchez, you might not want to double up on him. Who else is there? Ah, I have Sven Botman who is 4.5 purely because I can't find a 0.5 to get Trippier in. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Are we going straight to drafts? Yeah, I mean we're on before team, we do. No, I have. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, before before we do, I have one player I want to highlight, which is um Zaha. 
Wilfred Zaha at 7.0. He had a really good preseason, five goals, three assists. You know, he's pretty much the talisman for Crystal Palace. Now they do have tough fixtures to start. Tough, but like I said, I don't expect a lot of the premium teams to be really solid defensively. So therefore, I do expect Zaha to get, you know, um, Crystal Palace to be able to get some goals. They've been playing really well attacking wise throughout the whole preseason. Um, Zaha, Olis, although Olis hasn't really played that much, and uh, Easy, you know, they've really been linking up well. I think Zaha will be a sleeper pick this year. Only 7.0, so. Okay. Um, let's uh, go to your draft, Sam. So, why don't you talk me through. Okay, I mean, read it out for the pod listeners. Sanchez. Robertson, White, Walker, Botman, De Bruyne, Mount, Salah, Captain, Bailey, Kane, Jesus. And uh, for, the, uh, for the bench. Right, so, I mean, defense you sort of explained through your 4.5, so I'm guessing you're not committed to any of them, but I guess these are the options you have right now. The only one I'm kind of committed to is White. Um, there are some concerns, right? You're an Arsenal fan, so you would know. However, you will also know that Ateta is kind of the type where if it works, he won't change. So I'm, I feel like he would still start with Gabriel and White until further notice. You know, if one of them starts to play badly, then, you know, Saliba comes in. It's kind of White's place to lose in that sense. Yeah, you, you, you'll get a few so weeks out of Ben I, White. I, I think you're fine. Yeah. Botman, I, I really want Trippier. I think Trippier is great. I just can't afford it. So until I find another 0.5, I have Botman instead. I think Newcastle, um, again, pretty solid preseason defensively. They were quite solid towards the end of last year. Pretty much almost the same team except the addition of Botman, which is an upgrade. And he came early, right? So you already have full preseason to integrate into the team. Early sign seems well. The only concern with Newcastle defence is that they have um, tough games in game week 3 and 5. Away to Liverpool and away to City. Doesn't get tougher than that. However, um, they rotate well with Patterson, right? Assuming Patterson does keep his place. In game week 3, Patterson plays um, Nottingham. In game week 5, he plays Leeds. So my plan is to rotate them at least. But, you know, I'm still monitoring because it's not 100% guaranteed that he will keep his place. I don't know how long he'll keep his place. He's playing instead of um, Seamus Coleman, right? Uh, who is injured, but we'll see. So for now, that is the rotation I've gone with. So that's the defense. Um, not, not so interesting because I don't have a premium defense. <laughs> In midfield, De Bruyne, I still have De Bruyne. His positioning was really high um, in that game against Liverpool. He seemed a bit rusty. Passes not really working as much as he wants. Shots not really working as much as he wants. He did take... Uh, I mean, he did get into some good positions though. So I'm still quite okay with De Bruyne. So De Bruyne, Salah, no-brainer, right? Those two are no-brainer. Beji, I think he's going to kind of be like a Ben Rama last season. I think he'll start really well. Pretty good fixtures to start with anyway. Yeah. I don't know if I'll hold on to him long term, but you know, at least at the start. And then I have Mount. Now Mount is interchangeable with Saka because I'll be going back and forth between both of them. I think despite Chelsea's um, Chelsea's struggles, um, he definitely will do well. You know, he's a mainstay in the team. He's pretty much the best player in my opinion nailed and you know even when Chelsea not doing well defensively he always kind of pulls kind of pulls them through right 11 goals and 11 assists last year talisman I like Mount I like Saka too so it's really tough to decide I'll probably you know be going back and forth all the way until Friday only worry about Saka is doubling up or tripling up I guess because I have white but you know Jesus and Saka if Arsenal proves to be a false dawn <laughs> and they start playing badly the first few games, then I'm stuck with two. So, you know, it's all about risk and um, how much risk you're willing to take. Now, up top, Kane and Jesus, I think that's kind of self-explanatory. But yeah, that's my team. Yeah. 
You're not going to keep De Bruyne. I mean, that much I'll tell you. He's not making your final draft. You mean for game week one? Yeah, you will not no, keep No, he is. He is. I'm very set on it. I'm pretty Why sure you Why would you say will. that? You will move to Sun or you will move to someone else. Yeah, I just... I think you... as the nah, as you Kane, get closer, I'm not going to double up Sun and Kane. I feel as you get closer to the deadline, you're just going to see that De Bruyne just... He's just not sexy enough. No. You see, a lot of um, people have all De Bruyne kind of clouding their judgment. Oh, you know, he plays for the back. He's just going to get a lot of assists. Do you want to pay 12 million just for assists? No, this season... You saw how he was towards the end of last season, right? And it wasn't just luck. He's getting in good positions. He was making a lot of forward runs. And he's doing the same the entire preseason. Did the same against Liverpool. I think, you know, De Bruyne is truly a premium asset right now. Deserves his price tag. And I'm happy to start with him. Start. Now, when um, I do make my first wildcard, or maybe not even till then, right? Maybe in game week four, I, I want to. So... You know, in our previous sports table, you're talking about money ball, you know, that I do agree that's how you need to play the game. So this is just my way of starting, but by game week four, I guarantee you I will sell one of my premium attackers and move the funds elsewhere to optimize the team. This is just kind of, I don't know, trying to get a, what's the word for it? An edge. A big burst at the start, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. An edge just at the start of the season before I settle into a, a stable long-term team. Okay. Okay, so this is my team. Uh, just very briefly for the podcast listeners. Sanchez, Perisic, Cancelo, Trent, Robbo, Saka, Bailey, Salah, Captain, Martinelli, Haaland, Jesus, and a for the bench. So 4-4-2, four, four, two, two premiums. Uh, yeah, a bit of a heavy backline, but then Sanchez in goal. Is it, so the only thing perhaps people might raise an eyebrow is triple Arsenal attack, which... Okay, so an Arsenal fan who's very negative, I don't really like it. But I think logically you step back, everybody owns Jesus. So he's a non-factor for me. He's not even a player. He's just another dude there because 70% own him. So you look at it independently. I have Martinelli and Saka. Those are the ones who really count. And if you think about it, Leicester have issues. We talked about it, right? Wesley Fofana wants out. They've got existing issues. Casper Schmeichel's left. They don't look like they're going to buy another keeper. So that's game week two. Game week three, Arsenal play Bournemouth. Game week four, they play Fulham best you know best two fixtures you can get back to back so I think Saka and Martinelli now that we know Saka probably has pens I think it's a really good shot I didn't pick Mount although I really like Mount does he I, though sorry because didn't didn't Jesus already have his hat trick so he could have just gave it to Saka you know because I really well but Jesus has never taken a pen for Arsenal I mean he's only played five games but I don't think Jesus will be on pens because his record is really poor uh, he's missed about half of the pens he's taken across his career I don't know why Pep kept giving them... I mean, City, nobody knew who took the pens and they all sucked at it, but... Yeah, no one could take pens. Yeah, thank God they bought Haaland, but... yeah, Does Jesus Haaland take the pens now for City? He, I'm yeah. sure he will, because he has actually has a good record and he will want to take it in a way that KDB has always shied away. But yeah, to come back to the point, Jesus has a poor record, so I don't think he'll be taking it. Saka or Martinelli should take, so I've covered myself there. Not that it particularly matters, but it does help at that price. And uh, compared uh, Diaz to Robbo, I think we already explained why we, you know, both of us, I think, agree we prefer Robertson. So it's between Saka and Mount, and I'm going to bank on the Game Week 2 fixture now that Arsenal are playing Leicester and Chelsea are playing Spurs in Game Week 2. So I'm, that's my betting point. I don't think it's a huge difference, though. The rest of the guys, yeah, Persich, Bailey, Cancelo, we spoke about earlier. So I like the structure. It's got that flexibility we talked about. Although it's not a big deal to me, I just really like the players that are here. I'll probably end up all cutting my game week five just like you. <laughs> okay, yeah. Nice, nice. I I listened to Ian Wright's podcast and after that, you know, he had an interview with uh, Martinelli. Okay. And immediately after that, I had a strong urge to transfer Martinelli and I was like... And then I realized you should not <laughs> listen to biased podcasts uh, right before you make your FPL decisions. Because Ian Wright was like, I saw them in training. They're going to do so well. They're smashing it this year. I'm like, yeah. Ian Wright knows his stuff. Maybe I should listen to Ian Wright. Uh, interesting. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. I mean, one thing about Martinelli, I, I know, look, a, a positive, a lot of Arsenal fans will tell you he's nailed. He's not nailed, okay? He, like, he will share minutes with guys like ESR once they're fit and maybe even in Katia. But at 6 mil, he's a route into the Arsenal attack, which is really good because all the other 6 mil mids are very hit and miss to me. 
and he will start the season because the rest of the guys aren't fit yet. Like ESL is definitely not fit, so he's just competing with Enketia. He might have pens or a share of pens, helps again. And if you watch, Tifo did a really good video this week. I'd like how we're recommending other people's content, but Tifo did a very good video on the Arsenal win over Sevilla. And what they showed was basically the Arsenal attack interchanges a lot. We are basically becoming like a budget pep team, but mm. minus Haaland. So Jesus goes out to the left wing, Martinelli comes centre, Saka goes up. And so what that happens, what that means is all three guys are effectively interchanging a striker at some point. So in that sense, it's pretty cool. He's not just stuck on the left wing and doing cutbacks. He's, there's a lot more to his game. He might end up in the centre areas. He had, I think, two or three assists against Sevilla. I think at 6 mil, it's a fairly low-risk punt. And even if he doesn't pay off, you've got so many options that you can go down to uh, that we discussed earlier. That's true. I think at the start of the season, at least, he seems like a good punt. Long term, we don't know, right? But yeah. at least at the first few game weeks. Nice, nice. I like how you say you're a pessimistic Arsenal fan, but you have triple Arsenal attack, so you're not really that pessimistic. Whereas I convinced myself to get off all MU assets. I had Sancho for the longest time in my draft. And I think like yesterday or the day before, I thought to myself, if I were not an MU fan, would I have Sancho? And I realised the answer is no. So I took him out. <laughs> Trying to make unbiased decisions. Honestly, it would be a lot easier if we both weren't fans. Because for the longest time, I didn't have Martinelli in drafts. Because I think I'm an Arsenal fan. I know he's not going to play every week and I don't trust him. So I think we, you bring a lot of bias in as a fan. And it's not healthy, but that's just, you know, we're humans. It is what it is. Um, but yeah. We will, I guess we're done with our content for Gaming 1, Sam. Of course, we'll still be online posting and stuff. But we'll be back for Gaming 2. Hopefully, Gaming 1 doesn't go to shit. Yeah, follow us. Follow us everywhere. We are everywhere now. TikTok. Follow us on TikTok. Siva makes really good TikTok content. Thank you. Um, thanks to our wives. <laughs> yeah. You may have seen our wives as our unofficial mascot, unpaid mascots um, on TikTok and Instagram. Shout out to them for their support. Yes. And um, that's it from us this week, I guess. Yeah, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime... Get those green arrows. No, wait. Is, do you get green arrows in the start of the season? No, nah, you don't get green arrows. You get grey arrows. <laughs> okay, then um, get those good Game Week 1 ranks, guys. Yeah. See you guys. Oh,